Welcome to the Remembering Ethan podcast. I'm Chris Tafoya. My guest today is Stefan Platamoni. This is my second conversation with Stefan. The first time that we spoke, he took us through the journey of growing up with Ethan and playing with him and being best friends with him at a very young age, all the way up through high school or so. So in this conversation, we kind of picked up where we left off and we talk about uh, a little bit about Ethan in high school and into adulthood. And um, in this conversation, Stefan shares more stories, insights, and thoughts about his best friend, Ethan. I am grateful to Stefan for sharing so much of his time and working closely with me to put these episodes together. I've really gotten to know Stefan over the past few months, and he is such a sweet, sincere, and genuine person. It really makes a lot of sense to me why he and Ethan gravitated towards each other. So here's my second conversation with Stefan. I hope you enjoy it. Before we, before I uh, start, well, I guess I can, well, I can either put it in or not, but how was your trip? Did you enjoy your recent travels? It was wonderful, man. We Italy? had a really, really is that where you said you were? Italy? Yeah. It wow, was that's so yeah. cool. My wife and I went for our honeymoon, and this trip we ended up taking our respective mothers. It was actually my mother's 80th birthday celebration. I maybe I told you this, but um, we were she. My mother wanted to do something big for her 80th, which would have been in 2021, and we were considering going to Africa prior to COVID. And then when, with COVID, it was like okay probably not going to go to Africa. And then when things started getting a little bit more settled, we, were, we kind of started talking about Italy and Amalfi Coast. She had never been there. And uh, yeah, it, it, it came off really well. And so she, uh, my mother hadn't been there. And then it turned out my wife's mother, my wife and her mother and her father actually, who's since passed, but they, they had taken a trip to Florence. And so my wife and her mother got to go back to Florence. My wife and or me and my mother got to go to Cinque Terre. I don't know if you know Italy, but there's this beautiful uh, collection of cities called Cinque Terre. It's like five little fishing villages on the Mediterranean, and it has some really cool tra- hiking trails. And my mother really wanted to do that. So we we went and did our separate things, and then we met back up in Rome, did a, a few of the biggie. We hit the Sistine Chapel, the um, Colosseum. And then my sister and her fiance joined. We went down to Malfi Coast, and we they had a wedding down there so it was like a lot of things going on but it, it turned out beautifully we had great weather tons of great food and uh yeah lots of good times it was really nice awesome man i'm so glad that sounds like a great time and and a good memory to thank you yeah. yeah yeah we made a, a lot of good ones it was it was cool for sure well you may not realize it but i've already kind of started our uh talk tonight so yes. thanks thanks again for getting back with me and sharing some more of your thoughts and insight and memories. Pleasure um, is all mine. And I, I, like I say, I don't ever want to pass up the opportunity to say thank you, Chris, for doing what you're doing. Uh, I think I said it last time, but I'll say it again. Uh, I can only assume that if it's having the same kind of impact, at, if you're, the shows that you're doing are having the same kind of impact on me as it is others, then it's just a beautiful thing. You're, you're, um, as I mentioned, kind of before we started rolling, a lot of tears, a lot of laughter, 
Um, it's really helping me through my healing process with coping with the situation. And um, it's just really wonderful. And I know Ethan would be embarrassed and uh, humble and proud <laughs> that you're doing that. And it really reflects how fondly that you feel for him. And I know he would just be, he would be tickled about that. And so thank you very much for, you know, I, I can only imagine the amount of effort it takes to get all this stuff going with the organizing calls, trying to get the editing going, trying to find the time slots. And then you're a dad and a songwriter and husband and all these things in between. So it, it really, you know, it's obviously a passion project for you. And I just want to say thank you very much. It's really making a big impact on, uh, I know a, a lot of us that are listening. So really appreciate you doing what you're doing. Of course, man. You're welcome, dude. I, I, I'm enjoying the process and I'm learning a lot. <laughs> cool, so cool. I, pre I appreciate your words and I couldn't do it without you guys uh, agreeing to talk to me, you know, so it's not it's not a lone wolf effort sort of thing. So I appreciate oh, everyone yeah. taking time out of their busy lives to it shows just the equal amount of love that everyone has for him, you know. Yeah, happy to do it. Like I say, it's just, cool. you know, I know I, I'll, I, I mentioned before we started rolling as well, I've been listening to all of them and uh, I was trying to jot down notes because they all kind of spurred little uh, thoughts and stuff. But I think it was Caroline who said, you know, there's this notion that somebody really doesn't um, die as long as their memory's around. And, and, and it's, you know, I, I think that's true. I mean, we're, as, and we're basically just, you're helping keep his memory alive with all these stories. And uh, it's just, a, it's a pleasure to sit there and reflect and think about all the fun times we had with him. And uh so it's really been, yeah, it's really been helpful that way. And I, I, like I say, I look forward to listening to them and uh, happy to be here. Great. Yeah. And, and I do, and I do um, enjoy seeing him through other people's eyes. That's been really interesting, you know? Yeah. 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 Same yeah. Cool, man. Well, last time we were talking, uh, you kind of took me through, um, you know, your guys's younger years and, you know, up into high school and, so I thought maybe a good point to start would kind of be maybe towards the end of high school and um, before you guys, you know, uh, move, you know, towards the end of your formative years and kind of getting into your adult years. And I know that you guys are roommates and stuff like that. So and the other thing, when I was making notes for this conversation, um, it's kind of, you know, I wasn't around, I didn't hang around you guys a whole lot. So I kind of figured that last time it worked out really well for you to kind of lead me through, you know, elementary and junior high and stuff like that. And I had a few questions, but man, I was just glued to the screen, just listening to you. So I thought maybe, um, I'm sure you've had some time to think and you have some thoughts. So maybe let you kind of take the lead on, um, you know, the chronological order of maybe late high school up until, you know, through adulthood and your friendship and how that, especially being so far apart from each other. Sure. Um, yeah, I know one of the, the questions that you're uh, consistently act, asking folks is kind of what, what did you learn from Ethan or, you know, right. what are the things that kind of shaped your life about him? And I know, you know, a couple of things that I hit on last time where I was saying, you know, his, his, uh, his spirit of possibility and positivity, you know, those kind of, those, those, uh, characteristics that he embodied really impacted my life. And um, along with that possibility feeling, I mean, I've been thinking about this even, even today, in fact, uh, about how that leads to spontaneity and how we had so many um, such good fun times, but a lot of them, I always, I, in retrospect, I look back and I think, 
you know, the ones that were really, really memorable for us were spontaneous because, again, he's coming from this possibility, this, this, this place of being open. He was always like, you know, even as when we were kids, he would, you know, when we would sit there and decide, like, what are we going to do? He's like, well, we could, we could go to the movies. We could go play, make a fort. We could play with Chalco. Chalco was his uh, uh, three quarters wolf that Brad got from New Mexico. Um, we could, you know, he was always just like kind of in this frame of like, you know, again, possibility, right? So, so he was open. So, you know, when things are open, then you start considering things and, and, um, and yeah, to this day, I, I find that it's, it's wonderful to have a plan. It's wonderful to execute a plan, but it's even more wonderful if you have a plan and then spontaneity kind of falls in there and you have a surprise and, uh, you know, Ethan loved good surprises, of course. And, um, but I start thinking about some of the spontaneous things that, that we enjoyed and um, a few things come to mind. And that is uh, we went, um, so I'll go a little bit out of, out of order, I think, because of the stories don't necessarily fit chronologically, but um, when we graduated high school, I think and this is, I also have to apologize up front. I don't remember exactly what I told you last time or what we talked about to the T. So bear, uh, bear with me if I repeat myself and I apologize in advance for that. But, uh, um, you know, he, there was a year, we, we graduated 92, high school, 92 PHS Badgers. And uh, I ended up going to ASU the fall of 92 and he stuck around in, in Prescott. I think I did say this last time, but he stayed, he was gonna, he was playing with a country band. They were doing some regional touring because this is when they made that, um, that birthday record for me. That was really, really funny um, with the kind of sarcastic song on it but uh so fast forward to that he ends up it was just one year that he stayed in Prescott and he ended up coming back down to ASU and he lived with his uncle uncle Jimmy Brad's brother and so he was living up in Scottsdale and um I was at ASU and Ethan started taking classes at Scottsdale Community College if I remember right and then he would start popping over to the dorm um where I lived on campus and so he some of the folks that I my, my friends that I made in college became his friends and so we all kind of hung around uh, with each other and um anyways what I, yeah i need to get to the where i'm going with this which is uh eventually we did move into an apartment where we were roommates um and uh and then from the apartment we moved into a house and um yeah i guess that yeah there's i'm gonna be skipping a few years here because there's a, there's a bunch of fun times in there of course but then we went to a second house but in the second house we ended up um getting to a point where we needed to find roommates and we posted up on the old asu bulletin board or maybe it's a, I guess it must have been the web board at this point, but a, a French uh, exchange student um, signed up and, and uh, or inquired about this room for rent that we had in this house that we were renting. And his name was Benoit. And um, he came over and uh, he was instantly a really fun, relatable guy, this guy, Benoit. He was a, he was a, he was a character in himself and a smart guy. There's a program between ASU and, the, and this, this town in France that he came from. And uh, so we instantly connected with this guy. He's, he's a musical guy. He was a, um, but, the, but the program was with, with the School of Engineering. So he's actually was studying at ASU in the School of Engineering, but he, was, he loved music like we did. And he loved, um, you know, arts and all the stuff. And, and it was French. And Ethan, I think at that time was maybe a, started taking French classes too. He was studying French. I think he had an interest in it. I, I, I'm not sure. I, now I'd love to ask him now why he was doing that because it, I would have thought he maybe would have wanted to develop in Spanish a little bit more, but he, he got into French. And so anyways, to, to make to keep going with this, this, this bit is uh, 
um, it was this one year exchange program. And so when we had a great year with Benoit living with us in this house, and then um, the next year there was another exchange student. Um, and so his name was Nicola and he ended up coming into, and then Ethan would say this and um, which is kind of spoke to his humor, but uh, he'd say, you know, the, the new French guy came in and took his, his, the old guy's bed, the old guy's car and the old guy's girlfriend. And uh, I mean, he was just joking about that part, but um, so we had a succession of three French roommates, all because of this program. So it was Benoit Thomas, excuse me, Benoit Nicolas Thomas. And they're all funny French guys. And we connected with them all and had a great time with them. But so I'm saying all this to say, to kind of set the, the, the preface for, well, um, after, I mean, we, we, we had such good times with these guys, we wanted to visit them. So we, we actually organized a trip to go visit them in France and Paris. And I think um, Caroline was talking about and mentioned that uh, this trip to Paris, and that's what this is, this was. We we took this trip, to, yeah. And in two thousand four, we 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 organized a trip to go to visit the Frenchies, and uh, yeah, it was it was a hoot. So uh, we we flew over there, and it was a it was a big deal. It was really hard to get him to take off time, and because as a freelance musician, it's like you don't want to give up the work, right? I mean, you don't you don't have a paid vacation, so not only are you not getting paid, you're losing work. So um, it was a big it was a big effort on his part to do it, but he did it. I mean, and, and uh, we got over there and we just had a, a heck of a time. We did, we did the Louvre and we visited, you know, um, all around Paris. And then it turned out um, uh, Thomas lived in this, this town called Aix-en-Provence and he had a wife, uh, excuse me, a girlfriend that was Moroccan. So we're all hanging out late night, having a good time at Thomas' place and in, in outside of Aix-en-Provence. And, and, and she's talking about how she's gonna be going to Morocco and actually, shoot, I think I'm, I'm, shoot, I'm, I'm jumping the story here a little bit, um, but this is, that's, that's fine anyways. I, but so this is all towards talking about spontaneity and how much fun it could be. And so, so she saw the sun, she floats out. She's like, oh yeah, there's this musical, musical festival down in Morocco. You guys want to go? And we're like, uh, hmm, well, sure, let's do it. You know, and I, this is the kind of thing that with, with, like with Ethan, you know, like, I don't know. I don't know, just with him, things like that were easily fun because you could be like, you know, when you felt like things are going to be okay, no matter what, if you're hanging with him, like, he, and he was just really open and about that. So all of a sudden it's two in the morning, we're looking on the internet for flights to Morocco um, from, from Paris and like trying to figure out how we're going to make this work. Cause we had other plans and we actually had a flight to return back and it was going to be tight, but we, we did it. We flew down to Morocco and, and, and there was a musical festival uh, in Essaouira. It was like um, out south of Casablanca. I'd have to look at the map. I, it was just an absolute hoot. And I mean, that's like I said, that's the kind of stuff with the spontaneity. It's like, if you would have said, hey, you guys going to go to Africa when you guys go to Europe? It was like, we never would have dreamed it. But then you're there and all of a sudden one night, a uh, couple of drinks in, you're going, yeah, let's go to Africa. Sure. Okay. You know, <laughs> so we, yeah. Uh, we roll over there and we, we had ourselves a really good time, of course. And, um, and uh, yeah, it was just, it was just a hoot. I mean, okay. So, but I jumped the gun a little bit on that. Cause that was um, one uh, example of the spontaneity and kind of winning where it just totally jumps the, uh, the experience, you know, the, the trip, even without, without Morocco was still fantastic and spectacular, but then, you know, the fact that you could say, Oh, we spontaneously went to Morocco. was so much fun. This was actually our that, that that trip I was just describing was actually our second time visiting the Frenchies. We went into that that was 2007. Our first time in 2004, we went and visited, and we were actually staying with Benoit in his little shoebox apartment in Paris. And again, thinking back to 2004, internet is you know 
I'm trying to remember when the first browser was like 99. So it's not as ubiquitous as of course we know it today. So still pretty crusty to get online and do, do things like search stuff. But we, we were out there in Paris and we, we started poking around and saw that there was like a funk festival in Nice in Paris, or excuse me, that's, I, mean, I didn't say that right. We're in Paris, but Nice is South, like a, a France on, uh, on South, South France on the Riviera. And it's like, Marcus Miller, Roy Hargrove, and Sheik are playing down at this funk festival this Saturday. Do, do you guys want to go? And then Benoit's like, well, I got to work on Friday, but um, we, we, we talked to the other Frenchies. One of uh, Nicola, unfortunately, had a um, family uh, emergency kind of thing, so he was kind of out of the loop, but Thomas was up for it. So we booked this flight, and we will fly down to Nice. And, you know, again, we just didn't plan on that at all. But then all, here we are enjoying this funk festival in the Riviera, and swimming in the Mediterranean late at night. And it was just, again, this, this, he was open and, he, and, it, and it, it gave way to spontaneity and really just amping up the experience of just like, wow, we, I mean, you know, two hours ago, we didn't think we we're gonna be doing this. And all of a sudden we're having the time of our, our lives down here in Nice and just jamming out and rocking out and having just a good old grand old time. And so, um, yeah, th those types of experiences, like I think, I think I'm more open and more spontaneous because of the way he approached life that way. And, it, you know, it just really enriches your experience, you know, when, if you're, if you're, if you can stay open like that. And I think just generically speaking, I think it's just, it's not a bad thing just to challenge and stay to your, you know, your core beliefs or as a life philosophy to just stay open and be willing to listen. And all these things, these, these are things that Ethan was, you know, or, you know, uh, he was always willing to listen. He would stay open. He was, you know, considered what was possible and, you know, or viewed as everything as possible, really. And so um, those were some, some really, really fun times and, and um, things that kind of reminded me of things that, uh, that I, I, learned, I, I cherished, I cherished that I learned from him and, and kind of that he uh, kind of in, uh, helped me see or ingrained in me. How great, too, that you were able to, you know, experience his spontaneity with him, because you can say, well, a person is open and there's spontaneous and you know and we can all grasp that concept for the most part but to actually be the guy who hung out with them and saw it in action and and probably some serendipity too i would assume very much very much so of course yeah i mean you know when when you're doing when you're doing stuff like that then when that's your attitude and you know depending on how you view the universe and stuff you can think of that that you know you're attracting these things you know you're open and things are and now you're starting to see things that the universe is serving up you know in a certain way again you know again i don't want to get too woo woo about it but you know yeah it just everything was just super super fun and and uh with him like that and and yeah he 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 made it fun but then we made our own fun it's like making your own luck too it's like you have to be looking out for these things I mean, we were, we were, we were looking for music. And so, and then it, it, it appeared and it's like, well, yeah, let's go see Marcus Miller and, and Nice. That, that'll be fun. And wow, so um, cool. yeah. Yeah. So, so you were kind of talking about how you went off to ASU and then um, Ethan took, took a beat to do some music, but did you guys end up attending ASU together? We you? did. Yeah. We didn't have any classes together. And, and like I say, we, we weren't, um, we would basically we would connect on the weekends. There, there are a couple of semesters where he had a class where he would pass through our dorm, like he had a break between his classes, and so he'd stop in and refill his water bottle. It was be you know it was it was at a time when it was really hot, so it must have been the end of uh, 
the spring or something like that. I just remember him kind of being in his Tevas and rolling in with his, his big uh, bottle of water and kind of filling up and getting in some air conditioning before facing the heat again. But yeah, there were, there were those times he was, he was, he was working his way into the Phoenix scene. And that was really, you know, as I think back on that, we, we saw some, there's some funny stories about that, but he, um, he wasn't working a lot on his, on, on his base. He was picking up whatever he could. He was doing some recording with some guys and, um, there's some funny, some funny guy, you know, he took, was taking some, you know, some, some gigs that he probably wouldn't have taken these, you know, more, more towards the, um, later in his career. But, uh, um, he was living with his uncle Jimmy, like I say, and he would, he would come by, he'd pick, pick, you know, pick me up and we would just go out and have a good time somewhere. I'm trying to think some of the things that we did, um, uh, you know, whether it would be, I think even then we might've done some desert trips. I mean, um, that was another thing that I, I, I wanted to, you know, it's, it's come up, a lot of these things have come up, but he was, he's a nature lover, you know, and I mean, that comes from his folks. And um, I mean, my folks as well in Arizona in general is just kind of very, you know, outdoorsy kind of vibe. And, and so um, we were raised doing, you know, hiking, taking little day trips and car camping and hanging out by the Creek. And um, so we would, we would do those types of things on the weekend. And, and, uh, and then, I'd have to kind of dig a little bit deeper and figure out like what the years were, but, you know, eventually he did get that, that like, I think one of his bigger gigs was the, uh, the as is gig, of course. And um, I might be messing up some of the chronology here and I hope I'm not too badly, but uh, anyways, um, I think it was the end of my sophomore year where we, he, we decided to actually move into an apartment. Um, so that would have been, I guess, like 94. And we, we lived in this, we moved in this apartment. It was great. It, we had, we had never lived together, but it was like this two bedroom apartment at, at Hayden place. And he was, um, in, in Tempe, Arizona. And, uh, um, I'm trying to think, and I don't have anything particular to say about that. <laughs> just other than that, that era, I'm just thinking about the days when we lived in this, this apartment. And, and it was again, more, more fun where he, he was definitely an as is. And I, cause I remember they would oftentimes he was shopping sh- this stuff. And sometimes our apartment, we'd store some of their stuff or gigs, but um, um, there was a, yeah, uh, maybe I won't go into that, but uh, we, we lived in the apartment for a couple of years. And then, then we graduated this house. I had a, a, a trumpet player buddy who, um, whose folks recognized the opportunity to, to buy a, a second home and have us uh, rented out as, uh, as renters. So we get, we gathered four guys and, um, we lived in this house and again, we had just a grand old time. We got this, um, old grand, or excuse me, upright piano from, from his family. And we had kind of a music room of one of our buddies, Chris Newton had a drum set and, um, and, uh, we had, we just had some great, great times in this house, but, uh, where was that house? Uh, at? What part it was, uh, 1809 East Colgate drive. I think it was oh, okay. <laughs> Tempe. And yeah, so it's, it was near, uh, one of the main cross streets, probably like so that's his that's the the house, right? That Ethan oh uh, oh no 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 cause... no I said that shoot I yeah my my habit my 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 mind went to straight habit it you know, is the house the the house that I was referring to is on Perlia that how could I have forgotten oh, okay that? it's on a different yeah, I remember I've written letters before and I remember the you know 18 something Colgate yes I'm glad so this was a different me. house before he got the Colgate house okay that's right that's right so um uh anyways i don't i don't know that i have too many stories built up around that that house per se but um um 
yeah, there were some some other items that I definitely wanted to, to, to touch upon as well. Again, with the idea of like, what did you learn from him? Kind of some of the things that these 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 virtues that he embodied. And um, you kind of brought some stuff up as well. But um, and I, I've since talked with Kathleen about um, the, the idea of um, like how he handled uh, disabled. And I, I'm thinking specifically when you uh, you asked about Lucy the dog and and, and uh, you know he made some kind of comment about what's 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 wrong with her legs, man. He's like, not a not absolutely nothing, or you know he's very serious about that. Um, well, so I mean, just for back context, you know, Kathleen was reminding me that you know Kathleen and his mother and Brad, his father, they met at Camp Easter Seals on Mingus Mountain, which is um, you know an organization dedicated to um, providing uh, access and raising standards for folks with disabilities and, and giving them opportunities. And, and Brad went on to uh, be the head of this, uh, what is now called YEI, Yavapai Exceptional Industries, which is dedicated to giving a place for folks with disabilities to be um, contributing members of society. Basically, it gives them a place to stay, uh, like a group home and a job. And so they've got they've got folks, and so so I'm I'm saying all this because it kind of lays the context of like where Ethan was coming from, and and my dad actually was in a major auto accident when I was a kid, and so he has this head injury, uh, so we both kind of um, and my dad actually ended up volunteering at YEI for a little bit as well, so we were we were, we were raised with being around folks with disabilities, so um, you know we and that's everybody isn't like that we all don't we don't all don't have that experience and especially. I mean, things have come a long way since then, but, you know, we're thinking about the 80s, there's still pretty, and even to this day, there still is, but even back then, you can imagine there's a lot of stigma for folks with disability. And one thing that I, you know, I was thinking about this, about how um, just, you know, um, generous a spirit Ethan was, and um, there's a particular story that comes to my mind about how I remember him telling me, he, he was aware of this, but I remember him telling me he came home from a, it was either a sound check or a gig or something. And he was saying, yeah, I, um, yeah, I, I met this guy, you know, it was a, he was a sound guy. He's, he was a little palsic or whatever. And and when he's saying that palsic, he's meaning he had cerebral palsy. So he's probably had like an uneven gauge and maybe a clawed hand or something like that. And, and Ethan was well aware that, you know, he just, and when I, when I think about it, it it'll choke me up a little bit, but he was just, he just talked to the guy like he was a dude, you know, and just said, Hey, how's it, how's it going, man? And just, and the guy responded well to that. Cause you know, more than likely that probably wasn't what people, how they, people normally dealt with him, you know, like, again, thinking about back earlier than even today, but even today, there's still the stigma. Like people don't know how to deal very well with people with disabilities. And Ethan could just cut through that stuff and just be like, Hey, what's up, man. You know, like, and just, just you know, cut straight through that and deal with it and, and treat this guy just like, just a, like all of us want to be treated just like a person, you know, and and just didn't make anything of it. And and uh, I just thought that was so so beautiful. He could do he could do stuff like that so easily with such grace and um, and um, yeah, and 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 he just he just had that 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 way about him, um, such that you know the disability was not a thing. And and I just I think that. that 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 really that really stuck with me, and that shed, that sheds a lot of life on or a lot of light onto why he came across as being so kind and generous as well. You know, like that that's something that just clicked for me. Like, wow, no wonder he was that way with people. You know, like he just kind of <laughs> inherently had that. 
Yeah, I mean, he knew, you know, yeah, he'd seen a, seen a lot of things and understood a lot of things. And, and um, you know, and, and then this notion of being super, super generous. Um, yeah, I would almost even say in certain ways, like sometimes financially, he'd be generous to a fault. Um, but but just he just loved to share and he loved to give. And um, I remember this one time, this this would have been ASU days, actually, when I, well, maybe a little bit later, but that when when we moved into that second house on Colgate, I was, I was working on a computer science degree and I, I befriended this Indian guy, Rajiv. And um, I remember him. Really? Uh, yeah. When I first met Ethan, like one of the first times I came over, I remember you were staying like right when you come into the foyer and you look left, yeah. like there's a, a bedroom straight down and that's where you were. And most of the time I was over there, you were in the room, you know, practicing. And right. then, um, yeah, and then what was his name again? Rod uh, my my buddy's name was Rajiv. Rajiv was in the room down the other way, I think. And you're thinking of somebody else. Oh, okay. Okay, this is a roommate that would have been Ashwin, maybe is who you're thinking of. Um, he was a he was another uh, ASU student. There were there it's and it's no no judgment. There were a lot of people that turned through that house. I mean, there were we had a lot yeah, of roommates. <laughs> but uh, but anyways, this this guy Rajiv, he he didn't live with us, but he was just a fellow computer science student and. Oh, this was after, actually, this would have been after 9-11-2001, because I remember we were talking about going out to Rocky Point. Um, and so that's that's another, like, total bunch of chapters to talk about with Ethan. Is Rocky like, Point, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I can't remember if we got into this last time, but uh, um, that's something that continued on throughout, you know, his entire life. It's, early on, his parents so kindly invited me on a, a trip Um or many, many trips, but I just remember certainly the first, the, the initial trip when I was like, wow, I'd never been to another country, but we went and camped on the beach. And from that point forward, we just spent, we did every President's Day or all these different um, um, fall break or what have you, you we run, run down to Rocky Point. So we had decided that we were going to go down to Rocky Point. And, and, and I, I think I floated it out to Ethan, or maybe he even suggested it, but it's like, yeah, can we bring Rajiv down? Because Rajiv had hadn't been to outside the out of outside of America down a Rocky Point. That was going to be a different experience. And um uh so it was like, yeah, let's do this, but just make sure you have your your papers because again, it was like it was on the heels of 9-11. I just remember, you know, everybody was in a heightened sense and it wasn't really a good time for people of color, you know, sure. poor nationals. Like that's when like, you know, yeah, people were doing really silly stuff because there was just backlash from right the 9-11 terrorist attacks. But anyway, so we, we get down to, uh, to Rocky point and we're having ourselves a, a, a good time. And Ethan bought the, the, the inflatable kayak, which was great. And, um, we, I think at that point we, we, you know, there, there became a point where they, there was enough development where we would actually, we no longer camped on the beach, but just started either renting a condo or a house down there. And, uh, so we were renting in this house and, um, we got into, um, yeah, so we took the, the kayak out, and Rajiv had never been in the kayak before. Um, but in the water was was pretty pretty tame. It was I think it was like kind of when the, the tide was out. Uh, but anyways, we we got him in this kayak, and and I'm I'm saying all this like I say to say that Ethan loved to share. He wanted to give people experiences. He wanted you know not only like whether he's on the stage or um, you know kind of hosting a party or ho like this kind of situation where it's like let's let's show this guy a good time. You know, here's this guy from India. He's never been to Rocky Point. Let's show him how we do here, you know. And and uh, so we got you know got him out of the kayak, and he's kind of flailing a little, flailing a little bit. He'd never done a, a kayak before, so he's kind of like 
tapping the water with the paddle. And, and uh, I, it's something that I, you know, I, I'm trying to think, you know, we'd been friends at that point, probably for, I'd have to do the math, but probably like, you know, 20 years or something there, or, or maybe something like that. And I never heard him say this, but he's like, um, you know, he, he says to Rajiv, don't worry, Rajiv, there is no right or wrong way. There's just the Rajiv way. And I just thought that was so awesome to say that to this guy. And, um, and, the, and the guy was just, I mean, he was, he was having a really good time with it. And it was just, it was just such a sweet thing to say to this guy. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, again, another, another example of just how generous he could be with his, his spirit and his giving and um, just sharing um, I, things like that. Just like, like really s stick with me about the way that he could be with people and just, yeah. Yeah. Give them, make them, all the stuff that we were talking about before, just make them feel good and comfortable and have a good time. Um, so yeah, those are, those are a couple of stories that I jotted down that I definitely wanted to get, get out there that I think speak to his, his character. Um, um, I, I actually, and I can keep, I can keep going actually. I, I mean, I'll get a couple more out there with it. With this. Sure, man. Keep it going. Yeah. I'm, in, I'm really enjoying this. You know, I love hearing the stories, so bring them on. Cool. Cool. Yeah. So the, the spirit of generosity again, um, Again, with the, uh, you know, I, I'm sure when you work with them, well, even you're in your example, I, I, I'm sure I, I, I didn't witness this all the time, but I knew it was happening where he had these open mics where he get, you know, provide this platform for people to get up there and he'd encourage them to do their thing. And like, you know, just kind of go, yeah, you can do it. Like, here, here you go. Like, you know, let's do this kind of that, that kind of thing. But um, not only that, but also, um, like the financial thing when he, you know, when he, I, I would say he'd over tip in certain situations where he would just like, just throw money really super, super generously. But like one thing that was just always, I was kind of like, uh, what's the word? Not befuddled, but it was just like, oh my gosh, wow, that's really cool. Um, we went to, we went to, again, I, I known him for a long time. And so I know, I mean, I knew him, but I, this was a new, uh, something that stuck in my head anyways was we went we went to the drive-in we saw i think it was team america so this would have been like maybe 2004 went to the we went to the drive-in we had um it was kind of a double date um kind of but it was just a couple gals that were in the in the mix and um we went in his in his i think what was he driving at that time it was like a nissan nissan pathfinder or something like that and um we go to the to the we'll pull up to the gate and ethan generously buys the car of movie for us you know you pay the pay the fee for the drive-in and then and then he's like yeah i'm gonna get the guys behind me too he's telling this to the guy who's taking the tickets and the guy's like what and he's like no i want to i want to buy the tickets for the guy behind me you know and um he does that and they're they're complete strangers i mean he's just he's just he's just putting that out there right like he would just he would buy so, so the guy, the guy pulls up next, you know, the guy, so we pull in, the guy pulls up next is like the guy in front of you bought your ticket, you know, like that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, just like, and so cool. then, I mean, like, you know, I, I, it, I wouldn't have ever considered doing something like that, you know, but that, that, you know, he's just putting that, putting that out there. I mean, and however you want to look at that, I think that's really, I mean, like about generous. Sort of thing. yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. But it, oh. it, yeah, it was just like, he was just putting that, putting that, putting that vibe out there. Like, you know, yeah. And then, and maybe that might inspire the guy to do it himself. And, you know, but it didn't matter. He just, he would just would do that just to brighten somebody's day. And, and um, I've, you know, who does that, you know, I mean, it certainly, 
yeah, it's really, really sweet, inspirational. And it's, 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 you know, that's, that's a lesson for you right there is like, I mean, and he just said that he enjoyed doing that, you know, he liked, you know, showing people a good time like that. And if he could do something like that, he would do it. And uh, how beautiful is that? Now that, that, that to the extreme is this next story, um, which um, he was kind of slow, I would say, to embrace the technology, like, there he fought having a cell phone in the early days like like he, he was one of the last one last adopters for that one like to get a cell phone you know like he just wasn't doing it. he was just like my way is i come home i listen to my answer machine i get my gigs off my answer machine and that's enough yeah. and uh people were just counting him constantly like you gotta get a cell phone and get some you know <laughs> like, and so he finally gets the cell phone and um uh yeah so i'm sorry i'm I kind of uh get get myself off track but it, I'm on the whole point of that was just to say like I say he's kind of this this late adapter to certain technologies but he eventually gets himself on a Facebook and I you know I'm uh, I myself am not on there uh at all these days uh anymore but uh but he he's on there and so he starts getting att attached to some of these these web boards um or you know maybe a a, a bass player channel or something like that yeah. and he comes across I, I'm assuming I'm assuming you might have heard this one maybe you didn't but uh he comes across this guy who's, who's got this terrible story. He's just, he's in Africa, and I I I um yep, I, I'm gonna apologize in advance because I don't have a lot of the details. I'm sure Kathleen can fill fill them fill some of them in for me or for us. But there's um a guy saying that um he plays in a worship band in some country in Africa, and his bass got stolen. Oh. And Ethan um. I don't know when it was, but he just, he took up this mission. He's like, I'm going to get this guy a base. Wow. Um, and, and we're just like, wow, man. Okay, cool. I mean, and he, I, it was like this project that he, it was like, like I say, it was a mission. He took it on. He was just like, he started like thinking about what kind of instrument he could get this guy. And he, and he's tar he started kind of thinking about his connections. He's got, he's got a guy at the base place uh, that could maybe donate some strings. He's got, um, I think he got somebody to give him a case or something like that. And, and, and somehow he, out of his, he dug into his, his pocket, of, of course, and he comes up with an instrument to give this guy. And then, then he starts talking, he's got a, you know, one of his fans or maybe a fellow musician or something works in a shipping place. And that's really actually when the challenge comes is like, the instrument is one thing, but actually getting it there is like a whole other thing. Um, but um, it's like the shipping is probably was more than the instrument itself, really, you know, to, to get it there but he he did it man he he shipped a base over to africa to this dude and the guy got it and you know was doing backflips over it i mean and uh and i mean he just i mean yeah. like who does that stuff you know like it's like it's just outrageous to think about that but he was just he was into it and, and like i say it was his mission to get this guy a base and he just you know, he, he believed in music and of course, and I mean, everybody knows that that was the case with him, but just, he, he went, he, he stuck, he put his mind through it and followed through with it. And, and, and uh, I mean, that might be a guy to have a conversation with being get connected with Edmund, I think. Is yeah, right, right. Um, you know, because, so, because I mean, like that, how, what, what, a, what an incredible story that is. I mean, um, just, you know, beyond belief in a certain sense of just kind of generosity is like because i mean the, the the amount of effort it took to make it happen and he, and he and he got it there and he got you know all told it was probably you know i don't know a couple grand worth of not even talking the time and that you know, he spent to get you know make it happen but he 
he did it. You know, he was just, he was just super, super generous that way. And he, and he loved to be generous like that. He just really liked it. He just like providing that joy. And I think that spoke to the way he performed as well. He just loved giving the joy, you know, <laughs> making people feel good. And, you know, even, even, so there's that extreme bass thing. But then I also remember him in being in Rocky Point, he overheard somebody talking, you know, kids saying, oh, I want an ice cream. And the mom going, it's money's too tight for ice cream. And he's like, Hey kids, it's on me. I got your ice cream. And, you know, he would just, he'd love to do that. And, uh, and, and he just, yeah, it gave him a lot of joy to be in a place when he could do that. So, um, yeah, I mean, just, just, just incredible generosity that way. Um, yeah. Man, you know, and it makes a lot of sense, you know, like why he was so generous with his time and talent when I met him, you know, not knowing any of this and not knowing him at all. And you've heard my story about me being intimidated about to, you know, to talk to him. And, it, and I was just so blown away because you did, you're, you're right. You don't come across people that are that kind and generous and, you know, and as my friendship, you know, evolved with him, I saw so many examples of that kind of thing. But these stories you're sharing are just. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was an exemplary that way, like a humanitarian, you know, like a humanitarian. I mean, he was just, uh, I, and yeah, respect your elders. And, you know, there was, he was, um, he, he would, he would, I'm just thinking of, you know, times that he could, he could like, a, you know, again, what we were talking about before is he could connect with everybody, he, but he really had a gift. I think Kathleen's gift of connecting with young folks as well. And, and he would, he would happily kind of impart values on them about what was right and wrong of things to do. And, and uh, it made me think too, there was some other funny, funny bits about who he was as a kid with respect to Halloween. I was talking with Kathleen about this. We were trying to think of like what some of his Catholic, some of his, um, his Halloween costumes but and, and i was just saying this i was actually just saying you know when i was just saying earlier about well who does this you know there's a couple of these things like you know this guy ethan who does these things it's like well he does i mean that's that's who does them is ethan but the, and that that reminded me of when i was talking with brad I, I i dug into this this old picture and when we were in seventh i think it was either it must it's either seventh or eighth grade and again this is when we 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 had our our, our school split he went to the one junior high went to the other junior high but we ended up deciding that he was going to come into my, my neighborhood to do the trick-or-treating and and um i had had like my dad somehow came across like a uh i'm trying to think it must have been a, some kind of construction if you think about like cabling or wire like maybe being a big a large cardboard roll that you might put cabling around Somehow I, I ended up with this this large cardboard roll that I could fit inside. And I was thinking there's there's got to be a, a costume in here somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. And so you know, as it turned out, that I, that's what we, when we went for it, like I ended up being a Campbell soup can. My dad oh. found this chef's hat, so um, that was going to be my costume. And so um, went with it. And so, but what was Ethan's costume going to be? Um, well, he dressed up like. Um, Ronald Reagan's Supreme Court Justice nominee, uh, Bork, Judge Bork. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and like, yeah, you got to look it up. I mean, it's just, it's just so bizarre. It's just very, very odd choice. But I mean, it's just so funny as an, as an eighth grader to be like, oh, I'm Judge Bork. You know, like, I'm just picturing us rolling up to some of these, like, we're, we're trick or treating and like, people are like, oh, okay, Campbell Soup can. Okay. And, and what are you, young man? He's like, I'm Judge Bork. <laughs> and uh, just, <laughs> I just, you know, it's just like, no, 
it's just really funny because that it's not that's not humorous to kids his age you know it's humorous sure. to adults you know it's like, but yeah. he knew that it was humorous somehow like that's he you know he had that old person spirit or, or that you know he had some kind of wisdom kind of that he knew that that was really really funny um yeah there were there were there were some other ones that you you brought up i mean some of them that were pretty pretty out there there was one uh later on in, in high school he did a uh um i i i think you're a few years our junior but i don't know if you would have been around for that or uh, if you were paying attention to the news when the when the exxon valdez like had the largest oil spill of that time i don't remember what year this would have been this well i guess i should figure it out from the the halloween years it would have been like 90 maybe 1990 or something like this but again something else to look up but he came to, to school at to high school dressed as a, the captain of the exxon valdez and he had like a <laughs> bottle of booze with him because there was this question about whether the guy was oh i do I do remember that. Yeah, I, I'm actually uh, born the same year as Ethan. Oh, okay. Right there with you guys. I oh, always beautiful. thought, for some reason in my mind, I pictured him as older than me. But Kathleen told me, because uh, I wanted to dedicate uh, my last album to him. So I had asked her for his birth date uh, so that I could, you know, put the date of his life. And she said 74. And I go, oh, that's the year I was born. And she, you know. Oh, cool. Well, cool. But I do remember that some questions came up as to whether or not that guy was drunk. Yeah, it yeah, led so. to that catastrophe. Yeah, yeah. Ethan confirmed those 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 rumors for us when he showed up in his Halloween costume, acting like he's like this truck <laughs> sailor. <laughs> and how? Um, yeah, you're right. Like kids would be like, "What? What is yeah, that?" Yeah, like That's I don't get it. You know? Yeah, but um, an adult I, would be like, you "Find that hilarious." It is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he was seeing it kind of that way, and then the yeah. the, the next one is again maybe a little controversial, but it was just like what? It was just it was shock shocker kind of thing. He showed up dressed up as like this priest, but his face was all pale, and he had like kind of blood kind of oozing, and he's like he he'd like cough, and I was like, what what are you? And he's like, I'm a priest with AIDS. I was just like, whoa. <laughs> Um, so I mean, you know, again, How I don't want to be at the, was this in high school or was in high school. He was doing that. Yeah. Really? Yeah. 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 What was, was pretty... the rationale behind that one? I, you know, I just, I mean, he just really ran with the whole Halloween thing, which is like, it's all fair game. And like, uh, let's, let's see if we can, you know, get a rise out of somebody, you know, kind of, he just, um, I think he really, yeah, he really embraced that. I mean, seventh grade, he was uh, like Momor Gaddafi. <laughs> i mean that's and that's this is you know more kids maybe a little bit younger might remember like more recent history of of, of libya and Gaddafi, but like there's the, the the initial one was like you know reagan we ended up bombing them because they were found to be responsible for uh blowing up a plane over lockerbie scotland or something like this and so he, he was in the news when we were in seventh grade about like Muammar Gaddafi. so he got this, this crazy wig with hair and he got like an AK-47 and was like, yeah, I'm Gaddafi, man. <laughs> so he, always, he was always plugged into these like, you know, political, world political, geopolitical, like, you know, he just, it, it spoke to like what he was paying attention to. You yeah. too, you know, he was like, he was, he was up on the news, you know, basically. And um, yeah, so <laughs> those were. You know, it's, it's funny and, you know, those are great stories, but how interesting though, that someone of that age would, have the wherewithal to pick those types of costumes you know it is well it's, it's it's i mean again it's like it i mean he thought it was funny and so and like adults thought it was funny and like the rest of us are kind of like wait what <laughs> <laughs> right. 
but yeah. you know, but in retrospect, it's like hysterical. Yeah. Um, you know, like my, my parents just, I mean, I can just tell people like, like the, the, if anybody who was around for when Judge Borg got nom nominated, it's like he was Judge Borg as an eighth grader. It's just really, really funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and then like another like kind of tangential comment about, you know, the Catholic thing. We were always very cynical about religion. Um, and I guess, yeah, again, ju jumping topics a bit here, but I, what I wanted to say was, you know, thinking about what kind of person he was and what kind of mind he had. He had, he had a huge imagination and, and was able to, like a, he was able to, con had a, he could conceive of things, um, especially with like astronomy. I know people started talking about that, but he was, he was really big into astronomy. He could, he could imagine things in the universe. And um, I remember one time, you know, we were talking and I don't know if it came up in the news or what it was, but uh, for some reason we started talking about how like finally after like 450 years that the, the Catholic church kind of said, oops, sorry about Galileo. Like, you know, at the time Galileo was saying, no, you got it all wrong. Um, you know, it's, you know, we all revolve around the sun, all the planets do. And, and the church is like, no, 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 no. We're the son of, you know, son of God, planet earth is the center of the universe and the sun rotates around the, around the, the earth. And we just thought that was, you know, so ridiculous that the, you know it took him that long to actually apologize and come clean yeah. with it. But, but, yeah. but, like to to as a testament to the kind of mind he had. I remember we were in a bar actually, and he, I was like, well, well, how are they? How are they justifying? How are they rationalizing this? This the Catholic Church, like, how do they? And he got out and started drawing about how how what the how they rationalized how the sun was revolving around the earth and about the way the rotation of the, you know, the planets, he drew it out on a napkin for me. And I couldn't do that, but he, he could totally see it. He understood, you know, how they saw it and he, you know, knew the flaw behind it, but, but it was just like that kind of mind that he had, it was just, you know, he could read stuff like that and picture it. And it was like there for him. Whereas for me, I'd have to see it, you know, and, and like, he just, he just had that. Yeah. A very consistent, conceptual mind like he didn't have like mechanical like um like spelling or algebra wasn't his thing but like concept was like he could envision things and he could see like bigger picture things like that and um you know there, there were other other examples like, like that but there, those are like these things that are coming to my mind because i jot them down i just wanted to kind of get them out there it's like kind of like you know who he who, who like who who he was as i remember him look at certain these certain characteristics that he had kind of an engineering mind like um, and I'm sure if in your experience too, you saw him like he would always be fixing mic stands or his like his his bass or the, the drum pedal that hit the tambourine like was always breaking down and he would come up some some way to engineer it or fix it or um yeah, he just had this this kind of this uh again, like a like a a mind where he could he could kind of conceive of things and that that was that was always like enlightening to kind of see it the way it see it through his eyes that way a little bit. Yeah. So cool, man. Uh, man. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I can keep going too. I mean, it, I just, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, uh, let's do some more stories and let me ask you a couple of questions, some things that I'm curious about. Yes, please. Um, so, you know, if you had to say, and I know that I understand that this would be a hard answer, but, you know, what would you say would be one of your favorite things about Ethan? um i the laughter the laughter i mean we we just i mean it's it kind of goes with the the good times part sure but we just 
we just had so many laughs and so many like deep laughs and like um which you know again turned into or, or were good times because of the laughs but he he was just he was just really really funny yeah. <laughs> and looking for a good time and and um you know we were we were both that way we i mean we we we, we kind of tried to crack each other up and we, we we would usually end up doing that we could just kind of keep escalating it up and 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 um but you know like it sounds so trivial in a way but it was really deep you know it's like that he would i mean and now i don't even remember how you framed the question but i just I'm, what I'm, my my response is the guy was such a good time it was like and, and people people gravitated towards that people understood that i mean they, they didn't have to, it didn't have to be verbalized it was like this sense thing you know like this human condition thing where you're like you just kind of move towards this guy because it's it's a party it's a good time around this guy i would almost say it's like it's almost like um it's a physical manifestation of a good feeling right because endorphins are relief released when you're laughing and I, I would almost think it would be the same concept for like a Jim Carrey or a Robin Williams sort of thing where you gravitate towards those type of people that entertain you and amuse you because it's hard to find a, like a genuine deep laugh. You know, like when you just said, like you, you, you know, one of your favorite things was just the genuine like belly chuckles, you know, cause I've had yeah. a few of those with them as well. And it's cathartic, you know, it's like a, and it's genuine. Oh, yeah. for sure. For That's sure. Yeah. You don't always laughing genuinely with people, you know? Oh yeah. We had some so deep laughs where we just couldn't stop laughing and like, um, you know, and we would just keep busting each other up over it, but yeah, it was absolutely that. I mean, um, and yeah, he, he, he was always, he could always be so funny in, in certain contexts, you know, certainly on the microphone, but I mean, but even in just conversation and, uh, he loved to tell stories too. I mean, of course. And yeah, yeah, we just, that, that, I would say that that was a big, big thing. I mean, and, and I think I probably said this last time, but it's like, it's just what a beautiful thing, like to think of somebody and smile. I mean, that's what you do with him. You know, you think of him and you go, ah, you know, yeah, like. Uh, <laughs> I've chuckled, I've chuckled to some memories too, man, of, of him. Okay. I got another question. Yes, please. So, you um, have known Ethan for years and probably know more about him than many of the people, uh, well, many of the friends that he made in Phoenix, you know, after he moved to Phoenix. Yeah. Um, what's something about him you can tell us that people probably wouldn't know about him? Oh. Hmm. Uh... I'd have to think about that one, man. I, um, okay. That's almost like one I should have sent you a couple of days ago to think about. I think so. Yeah, yeah, you should again, have. He was uh, like an open book, you know, so I, I, I'm sure that a lot of people knew a lot about him, but I thought maybe there was some kind of like a, a quirk or maybe something about him that a lot of people didn't know about him because. Yeah, you know, I mean, it depends how, how intimately you end up finding out things about him, but like. I was talking with about this about Kathleen, like or with with Kathleen about him about like um, he named he named all his cars, right? I don't know if you knew that. Well, there's something, yeah. That's okay. Really okay, so like yeah. Okay, so there you go. So and that stems back, like that goes back a ways, and I think maybe that came from his dad. Kathleen might have been saying that, like you know, all the vehicles had names, you know, and they. Do you remember the names? Sure, sure. I mean, it, the first they? truck that he got was a was scooter. It's like this little Nissan yeah. truck that one that was like like 
epic was his dad ended up getting him um, this giant, uh, this, he, he got a lot of the cars used. So he got this giant uh, station wagon, a Ford, what is this? It was a Ford. The Wagoneer? It was like a Ford or, I mean, this thing was a boat. Um, <laughs> it was like this white long station wagon, four door, was it 70s or 80s? But he ended up calling it the love ship. <laughs> and uh because it was actually kind of a cool gig car because it had this all this space in the back oh, and like sure. um and then he had like uh, the silver bullet was one of his it was like this nissan that was like this um uh these uh, yeah nissan truck he had a, a truck called fury because it was a kind of this big tank um <laughs> of, a, of a truck um there's more that i can't think of but one thing that was like kind of like funny like even as a kid he was doing that we got, you know, we were coming online again, our, our generation, like of bicycles, you know, when we were maybe, you know, elementary, like BMX was kind of the thing. And then sure. for junior high, anyways, mountain bikes started kind of on online. So we both got mountain bikes and, you know, like his dad had a 10 speed as a road bike, but we got mountain bikes and thicker tires. And he got a, I think it was a 15 speed. I think his mine was 18 speeds if I remember right, but he named all the gears. <laughs> <laughs> What were those names? Um, like, I don't remember, you know, he would remember them all if we had them sure. here now. But the, the lowest one was Pee Wee, Pee Wee Herman gear. Because <laughs> he, because he loved, I mean, yeah, did we talk about that too? I love Pee Wee Herman. Like, he would just, no, see, it, that's another good okay, one. Okay. All right. Well, there you go. There's some more for you. He loved Pee Wee Herman. Like, he was like instantly glommed on to Pee Wee Herman when, like, the, when the, when the movie came out. Like yeah. I was like, what are you doing, dude? He was just like, <laughs> and he was doing like the, the Pee Wee Herman dance and getting up on his toes. And just from the previews, he was just like somehow he just like super resonated with Pee Wee Herman. And so when the, he would put his mountain bike into like the lowest gear and be like riding like along like Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then yeah, like like so for 15 years he had a name for each of them. You know, like it's just so funny. You know, like. Um, oh, and here's here's another another really quirky one too. Like, I'm thinking about like concept, you know, talking about how his mind in, in conception, like how he he could imagine things. So we're in an elementary school. We're out on the playground. We're doing. We'd had some serious games of tag out there. And um, again, I beg your pardon if I'm repeating myself. I can't remember who I told what. Oh, that's fine. Um, but so his his safe zone was the uh, the monkey bars. Like he wasn't a, like athletically like a runner. Um, and not that I'm like so athletic, but that was like my thing with tag is I'd go running, I'd go run out of the playground. But for him, he would he would immediately go on the on the on the monkey bars because he could get around. He was real facile on the monkey bars. <laughs> but anyways, he would uh, he would he was I don't know when the fascination with space and navy and fighter pilot and all that stuff came in, but it was pretty young. He was into that at, at a young age, and oh. um, so he would have been thinking about space and 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 like zero gravity and stuff, and he would. I remember him hanging upside down in the monkey bars and eating like, like a granola bar and just being fascinated about how mother nature gave us a system that forces food up, you know, down our, um, what do you say? Our esophagus or whatever, like these muscles that like, so he was hanging upside down and was like, just getting off, of, like, like geeking out on the fact that he could eat and the food would go up against gravity. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's just like, <laughs> just so nerdy in a way but also like this little kid thinking about that it's like yeah, so really cool, you know really conceptualizing he's like thinking about yeah like and, and like like just the whole system about how like 
you know, the, our digestive system like forces food down. Like it, it's got muscles that work against gravity to bring the food down to your stomach or up in this case, if you're hanging upside down. So it's like pushing up. <laughs> it's just really, really, you know, it's just funny to think about like a little kid thinking about that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. So. That's not something that most kids sit around thinking about. Well, no, my, my son, uh, is kind of like that as well. Like he's fascinated with the way body works, you know, all the different systems we have and that kind of thing. Cool, cool. That is a, that is a cool thing for him to think of. You know, and another thing, but again, like what I meant to do was listen to our last conversation before you and I talked. Cause I'm kind too. of, I just haven't had the time and I wanted to listen so that I could know exactly. But, and, and I had a question for you, but you know what? I think we talked, I'll give you the question you tell me that way okay. if we did talk about it we're not uh, repeating ourselves but so you had talked to me about the transition from like the first thing he played was a horn right is that what you saxophone yeah saxophone alto and sax then, and then it was that straight to bass or was there some guitar in there before he got to bass um like I say, I think, I mean, I think we did talk about this, but yeah, my recollection yeah, is, it's, it's okay, but I, yeah, my recollection is that, because I remember saying like there were guitars all around the house and he had a music room, Brad had, you know, had a music room downstairs where it was like, kind of like how his house, how Ethan's house was with like, you know, guitars hung up. So sure, you know, yeah. 12 string and a guitar that Brad built himself. And um, so I don't remember Ethan like picking those things up and picking on them, honestly. Um, I do, and then one of those instruments was a bass that I think his dad had made. Maybe that's the part that I'm, and again, Cl Kathleen could probably clarify or um, straighten some of this out. But he picked up, I don't remember like being this, this strong transition from the sax to the bass, other than like, other than come, come high school, he did let go of the saxophone. But the, the, there was this range where when seventh and eighth grade, when I think he was kind of playing around on the bass, and the and the saxophone and then and then one story that his dad brad loves to tell so as i mentioned brad had uh led this or uh, the same organization yei you have a by exceptional industries who employed who employs um folks with disabilities and one of the things that they um one of the kind of the deals that he had is he had he, he got a senator hayes to donate um kindly donated land out in um people's valley um arizona and so we he had folks going out there to make adobe bricks i'm I mean, i'm trying to express this in a way that is concise but i'm not doing a very good job of it so the reason i'm saying this is because ethan and i actually ended up working out there with some of these folks some of these uh, folks with disabilities and so there's some like they had some some folks kind of leading the steering the ship kind of but we ended up going out there a summer and, and making adobe bricks and that what that meant was like shoveling dirt into a mixer and uh you know loading up a, a a tractor bucket full of this adobe mix and then pouring it into forms and then the sun bakes these forms and then you pull the forms up and then you lift the brick up and scrape it off and then they would sell these these adobe bricks and adobe you know and actually if you go to the the original YEI on Washington Street, it's got Adobe bricks, it's made of it because Adobe at that time was, you know, kind of like the Southwestern architecture marvel kind of thing where it's like, oh, it keeps you cool in the, in the summer and warm in the winter, this awesome insulator thing. And so anyways, we made, we had a summer where we, we were out there making bricks and, and um, 
it was uh it was it was an experience it was our first it was our first kind of job and um it was such a big deal to get a paycheck we were getting paid like two dollars an hour or something like that but we thought it was like ooh, real money because after you know 80 hours of that you got yourself like 150 bucks or something so um brad loves talking about how um you know i put my i did save my money because my, my 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 mom especially was very adamant about like save your money and and ethan spent his on his on his, on his blue uh kind of fender knockoff base uh and um he bought this this base that uh that yeah that he took into high school with him this and and um yeah that's how he i ended up going uh, spending more time out of, out of doing making adobe bricks and ethan kind of fell off of that like he stopped doing it but um anyways that uh that kind of speaks to that, like that that transition from the the sax to the bass, and then and then the acoustic guitar came in. Would have come in in high school because that's when, like like I said, I think his dad gave it to him when he was maybe fifteen or sixteen. This Martin D, I'm I'm not I'm not good with the the like a D thirteen or D twelve something like I can never remember model numbers either. Okay, so it's but it's a it's a famed model or whatever, and right. it's yeah, it's the one that you know yeah that he, he was playing like I say, up on his most recent gigs and that, and so he had that guitar. And so he, he would travel with that thing and they would bring that down to Mexico. And like, he started, you know, picking on it and doing Beatles stuff on it. But he was always kind of in, in jazz band in high school. He was, he was electric bass all the way. And then, and then when he started working in, in Phoenix, it was electric bass with as is. And then I don't know when he started really getting into the duo thing or, or, or actually pulling out, bringing the, bringing the acoustic guitar, to his gigs that would be something somebody knows that I, I i just have to rifle through my memories a little bit there was there was probably somebody instrumental in doing that um that actually started getting him to do that and i should say also like his he it comes from like his dad it would bust out a, a, a course a guitar at the campfire and, and ethan's uncle jimmy worked as a as a musician in, in on the on the a few, the bar circuit there in phoenix and did solo acoustic guitar and, and entertain the people just with playing the guitar and singing singing songs for folks and um so ethan saw that and saw how that could be and uh you know eventually it kind of integrated in when he started finding people that he could do duos duos with and and he would and and then he became more versatile by by you know bringing the acoustic and the electric and the pedals and the tambourine you know and just right. kind of just branching it all out there did you guys ever collaborate on any music or i know you pref like i remember when I first met him, I remember when you, cause you were living in Phoenix for just a short time after I met him. Cause then I remember that you left and um, I, I went to go see him one time, maybe with Tate, I can't remember exactly, but you got up and did a, on your horn, you did a cake tune with him. Yeah, yeah. But, but what kind of music or collaborations or, or even, I mean, it doesn't have to be like an organized thing, but what kind of, in the music realm that you guys do together since you're both musicians yeah um we didn't do like like our creative stuff was when we were kids and and like kind of horsing around kind of stuff mm. and i was would be playing drums um but like that said like when we would go to mexico and he'd bust out the guitar um or i i bring a trumpet down and play on the campfire just kind of just play blues or something like that with him and uh -huh. And this is, I, I had the same feeling as you. It's like, I, I wanted to hear the conversation, our last conversation, so I wouldn't necessarily repeat stories. Right. <laughs> um, but like one of the, you know, one of the things, 
yeah, like maybe I said this already, like I say, but I, I just, I remember I, I finished my trumpet degree from ASU, got a performance, you know, orchestral performance trumpet degree. And I remember thinking like, I can't, I can't play music without having a sheet in front of me. Oh, and sure. My best, my best friend here, he goes out and plays music every night, you know, at the bars right. and stuff. And then he knows, understands what music is about, which is communication. You know, I was so pent up with like, you know, the classical music thing is just as a sidebar, you can get really obsessive about the perfection of it because, and that, that was like, we grew up in this generation when CDs came online and like where everything was like perfect and you couldn't, right. you know, so like if you're in a, if you're in a classical world and you chip notes, that's like <gasps> people like, you know, plus <laughs> their pearls and that kind of stuff. Like, whereas with Ethan, it's like, come on, let's have a good time. You know, it's like the, 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 the opposite of that. Right. So that was like such a good yin to my yang of like, okay, like, yeah, music is about communicating. It doesn't have to be perfect. Um, and so he would, I think, again, he would just set the, set the stage, pun intended, for like, he would open it up and be like, come by, you know, come, 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 come. I'm, I'm here, come, come by, bring your horn. And so we eventually worked out some shticky shtick, you know, I mean, not, we didn't work out shtick, but like, it'd be like, okay, what tunes can we play? And he would, we'd, we'd kind of settle on certain tunes and, you know, we do low rider, we do the cake tune or, you know, or just play like, you know, some blues or something like that. And, yeah. Um, and, and, and more, more recently in the, in the, in the, the more recent years, like I would find myself out there around Christmas time and, um, um, he would always be, uh, I would, I'd have to bone up and like, try and fit, like work out my Christmas carols. Cause he would love sticking Christmas carols in on these tunes, you know, and he was so good at it. <laughs> so you'd be playing like some, whatever it was, um, you know, brown eyed girl and he'd stick in a, you know noel song or something like that it was just um, <laughs> but um anyways yeah we would he he would he was always like again because he was so open and, and gregarious and inviting and welcoming it's like you know it, it, would, it would just be like well of course you're going to play with me kind of thing you know like so yeah. um so that i mean i think that opened me up quite a bit to to really um like i said i, I, I was just very shy and very like kind of inward and he kind of opened that up and, and, you know, like, but like creatively, we never like worked on, I guess some of the stuff that we did that we really had a, got a kick out of, it was like, we did a, um, in high school, we did, I, I think I mentioned, or maybe I didn't, but we did a sixties day where we got to play rock and roll, 1960s rock and roll stuff. But there was another day we did like a, a twenties day. Oh, no, no, we did a, what was it? We did it. We did some, something where we ended up writing a country song. And we, we, we ended up singing, I ended up singing like, uh, Oh My Darling Clementine. And we started, we had, we got a real kick out of writing some lyrics about our teachers where we, we started, like, we did, we did a regular verse of Clementine. And then we started write, writing, writing about the, the teachers, like, Mr. Gone, Mr. Gone, there's nothing on your head. Um, <laughs> and so making, make it so now I can make bald jokes because we're both bald now, but, uh, yeah. but like, yeah, we just, we just, we, we would bust each other up, like writing, 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 uh, verses out and 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 things like that but uh but but musically um yeah it was mostly like it, i think it was mostly like campfire stuff or just crashing in on his gig and trying to find some kind of tune like that i could i could sit in on and uh, yeah some i don't remember how the cake stuff came up but maybe they those guys were doing covers and you know other folks have been talking about it but he um he was so good at the mashup and like also the good at like pulling out like the deep cuts, you know, like the, the, the covers and, and um, so yeah, there was like, 
it was just like, oh, that would be hip or that would be cool. And so we would just settle on something and, and work it out and, and that would be it. Cool. Yeah, because I always wondered because I did only know you for a short time when you guys are in Phoenix and I knew that you were both musicians. And I, um, I feel like I even asked Ethan one time, man, did you and Stefan ever have a band together or something like that? And I remember him saying, no, but we make beautiful music or something like that. <laughs> yeah, he got me in on some of his studio stuff too. And like, we oh, did like, cool. there, there was some, there was some cool stuff that we did. Like he was- Like he'd get, he'd, he'd line me up involved, gigs, like recording gigs? Like, so he'd be working with somebody. Um, there's one, per, one per particular uh, person I remember, TJ uh, Lanier was this guy's name. And, and Ethan was like, working on the record in the studio with him. And they're like, oh, it'd be cool to have horns. He's like, oh, I know a horn player. So he like got me in the mix on that. And then then there were some, so I did like worked on, like played on the record a little bit. And then there were some live, uh, you know, some little, a couple live dates that we did. And so we actually played together. And that was, of course, a hoot. I mean, again, he's just, he's just so much fun and disarming on stage and welcoming. And like, it's just like, oh, you know, it's any, any, any inkling of me being uptight goes away because it's like, he's there and then, you know, he'll physically like lean into you, you know, and like yeah. loosen you up, you know, and like, you know, come on now, let's, let's, let's have some fun here. That's and, true. Uh, yeah. uh, so there were, there, I think there were a couple of those kind of things where it was like, yeah, he did, he did a uh, little Delcoa, you know, like he got me involved with that. We did, and we, I did like oh. a record release thing with them. Like, so uh, th there's a track on there. We've got some horn on one of the tracks there. And um, I did, did a record release with them and stuff like that. And that was, you know, of course that's a, big big fun for me of course you know stuff i wouldn't normally be doing but it's uh, he kind of got me into that in that circle and i was like yeah this is fun you know so right. um yeah those those are that was kind of some of the stuff that we did i guess uh creatively if you could say that yeah that's cool man how fun i just and i'm just in awe and and very like it's so cool that you got to let, meet him at such a young age and you know, just be best friends all the way through your adulthood. You know, I mean, that's a rare thing in itself. I've, I've got a couple buddies, I guess, from elementary school that I keep in touch with and who know, like know me, you know, even back from my puffy mullet days, you know? <laughs> and so I can't even imagine how cool it would have been to, we all had a lot of years with Ethan, but man, you really got some good, you, you guys put some good miles on your tires together, you know? We sure did. We, we sure did. Yeah, and I, you know some of the other folks mentioned, it, and I think even you too, on some of the previous you know conversations about how good he was at maintaining the relationships too. Yeah. Like, um, and that got me to thinking, and, and you know, like the way he could, the, the art of leaving a message, he could leave a, a, a beautiful message. <laughs> um, but also, he was very consistent too. There were some times when I was out of town, when I when we were in different places. I'm in New York, he's in Arizona. He would call, he would call regularly. We had we had we eventually kind of settled into a certain. Like, Thursday afternoon, I, you know, we would, we would, one of us would be reaching out to each other, but there would be a week or two where I missed him, you know, and, and uh, he would call and leave a message and he would, he wouldn't let up, you know, and it was really, it was good because I, um, I mean, I, it's not that I was avoiding or something like that. It was just like, oh yeah, yeah, let me, let me get to it. But it, it just, it just spoke to the fact that he valued it. And it, and so it makes you value it more, you know, you're like, oh, right. Yeah. Let me, let me call this guy and let's, let's catch up a little bit. And uh, yeah. it was just, yeah, we, we 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 talked at least once a week you know especially once i moved out here we he was we maintained really really good contact and it always 
was looking for opportunities to kind of hang out with him, get him out here or go back there. And early on in the, the first few years when I was lived out here, I was actually getting out to Arizona quite a bit, pretty regularly. And so I, he was, it was always great because I had a place to stay with him and sure. it was always going to be a, you know, he, he was always run me to the airport when I needed to or for the flight in the morning or what have you. And um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, speaking like this now, it's just like, uh, you know, I, I so miss that of course. Yeah. Well that, you know, and that, so I'm starting to kind of get to the, you know, those last few questions that I'm sure you've heard me ask everyone, you know, cause I'm yeah. curious what your answers would be, but you know, one of the things I wanted to know was, you know, what, because you mentioned earlier um, one of your favorite things about him. And so what I'm curious about now is, you know, would that be the same thing that you miss about him? Or is there something else that comes to mind? What, what, if I were to ask you, you know, what, what's the main thing that you miss about not having him around anymore? Yeah. I, I mean, I certainly have given that some thought and like, you know, I think when you initially asked the first question, my, my first reaction was laughs and fun. And that's true too, but it's also like, um, you know, it's just, he was always into, he was checking something new out all the time. He was like always enthusiastic about new stuff coming out. Like he was like, oh, new record this or new movie that and new mm -hmm. book. And, you know, he was always kind of charged up about that stuff. And I, and we love laying, laying tunes on each other. Like, you know, check this out. Or we, I, we used to play music for each other because it's like, oh, you got to dig this, you know? So I, those are things that I miss. And then also, I mean, if I think also that the times that we would just go out and hang out and be in nature was really cool. The, 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 the astronomy lessons I'll call them, but like very often we would just get, he would um, throw some wood and we'd load an ice chest and um, gather up and, you know, I'm thinking of CDs, but you know, MP3 or whatever. And, throw it in the truck and roll out to Apache Junction or somewhere in the desert and uh, get a responsibly get a, camp, a campfire going. He was always very responsible with a campfire with because of his dad, make sure the shovel and the bucket are around in hand. Didn't want to be that guy causing a fire. But right. uh, we, we set up in the, in the, in the, in the desert and just start putting, listen to some twos and being enchanted by a fire, looking at the sky, he'd bust out the telescope and we talk about, you know, talk about it all. Um, and so all that kind of, I guess, commingles in with like, like, you know, we would talk about what he was interested in, what movies he was in, into, or what music we were listening to, or like we said, we'd be exchanging music and, and then, but also like the deeper things in life and like, you know, the meaning of life and, um, you know, sorting through whatever our problems were at the time. And then also just, also just thinking about Saturn or <laughs> whatever, whatever planet he was uh, tuned into or, 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 and then also, you know, just listening to just thinking about like the universe and how, you know, this giant clock up there and he would just kind of turn me on to like kind of what was happening up there and just, you know, take, go into a different space. Like I miss that, you know, I, those types of things with him were just so special and fun. And, you know, I, you know, sure. I just, it's, it's just, yeah, I miss I miss that about, you know, just really the sharing, I guess, the sharing of all, all the stuff, the, the fun, of course, but just also even the, the not fun stuff and just, you know, working through things and talking about things and, 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 um, and then also, and also re recounting the memories as well. I mean, <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, just, you know, even within that, we could, we could, we would just tell stories or just kind of remember when kind of stuff like, um, but yeah, that's what I would say that comes to mind now. 
Do you remember any of the last conversations you had with him? Oh yeah. Yeah. I, um, I mean, this is when it gets a little bit heavy and I, I had talked with him. So he had gotten, he had gotten COVID and it was, I just, even, even before he got COVID, like when COVID was like starting to rage there in 2020 and March and April and work for him was starting to get really tenuous. And like, it was really rough because, you know, he, it was really, um, what's that word? Um, emasculating, I, you know, with this, like he couldn't be, he couldn't provide for the family and he really was bothered right. by that. He couldn't work. Um, and then also then the, the, then he had to make these judgment calls about what he knew that they weren't appropriate to like, they, there, there was, you know, there was so much confusion and so much misunderstanding and, and, um, you know, nobody knew the answers with, with, with those early parts of COVID. And so it's like the social distancing and whether we should all be in a room or not. And, you know, and he knew he, he would take gigs that he was like questioning about whether he should do it knowing that. And then there was also like the, you know, talk about toxic masculinity with the, the Arizona Cowboys, like, like kind of openly flaunting the social distancing to kind of prove how manly they were about oh, how COVID sure. stuff like that it was just, it was just so it tore, it tore him up, tore me up. And and then when he did get the COVID, and then um, I guess you asked about one of the one of the last conversations. Um, he had he had he kind of bounced back from it and wasn't wasn't he was feeling pretty good and he had a gig on the horizon. He was really jacked about it, and the gig was going to be one of his favorite kind of gigs where he was he was going to be subbing for someone on a cover gig, and like he you know he said. You know, he was telling me about how the guy sent him over the list of tunes. He's like, oh, I know 80% of these. And he was going to get to be the hero, which is what he loved to do. Like he would just swoop in, going to be like, he's going to be a sub. And he was going to walk people through the tunes. Like many, all these conversations you've had with these, these, all these previous folks about how he loved like steering people through a tune that maybe not everybody knew, but he, he had that on the horizon, one of those gigs. And I think it was, maybe it was going to be an out of town one too. So it was like, he was going to go to a festival or something, I don't know, something like that. And he was like really, really excited about it. And again, this was, we, did, we know a lot more than we did at the time regarding COVID, but he had just gotten um, an, a, a test result back that he still was testing positive for it. And it just took, absolutely took the wind out of the sails. And um, mm -hmm. it was just, it was devastating, you know, in a way it was just, it just, it really, it really, it took the light out and, you know, in, in thinking about that and I, you know, thinking about this coming up in our conversation, I definitely wanted to take the time to say that, you know, Kirsten, um, his wife was so, played such a integral and pivotal um, role in those moments because, and I was so thankful that they were together and that she had a day job and she could really, actually ease some of the pressure and, and of course nobody doesn't like um, working but um, she could actually provide some stability and comfort when in a, in a time when it was helpful for him to have that and I thought that was so beautiful that she could do that um, and then along with like like health insurance and stuff like he you know he didn't take care of himself and kind of you know he, he it was kind of like he would have to get have um, something bad happened for him to get over to, to see the doctor. Like he wouldn't like proactively go, go get a checkup or something like that. Sure. And like she, the, you know, the fact that she could provide like this kind of the stable 
environment with a, with like, okay, well, like it's going to be okay. You don't have to take that, that gig that you might not want to do. Um, I, I, that, that was just like a relief in a way. And I, and I think he also eventually, like I was talking about how it was so difficult with respect to being a freelancer, like to turn down a gig, <laughs> you know, like it was, it's just not, it wasn't in the DNA because it's like, well, of course you, you know, you either you feast or famine kind of thing. But she right. was able to introduce the idea, like, look, you don't have to take the gig that you don't want to do, you know, because there were there were some of those that he, you know, it was just like, ah, it was it tested the boundaries of like it's way over on the other side, it's the money's not that great, it's not, you know, it's not a great place to play, and you know, it's like, well, maybe you know, maybe you shouldn't do that then, if you know, maybe, and 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 it was just so beautiful that she could provide that kind of um, yeah. relief for him, and then further to that, like you know, she was the one that actually got him, you know, there, there came a point where he was, again, after that last conversation that I had with him, phone conversation, it kind of, yeah, it just, it, 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 it went spiraled down, say, because I think in his spirits, he didn't, well, well, first I'll say, like, I don't know about the whole testing thing, but I don't, I mean, the, uh, uh, like he, so he did test positive for it, but he would like in his mind he was ready to do that gig and I think he would have totally done the gig had he not tested positive for it like he would have been in, in I think in his spirit he was like ready to go but with that that kind of that 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 negative or that positive test coming back it was just like oh I can't do this gig now and then it it just kind of like compounded the the problem so you know how like it, it's a psychosomatic thing of like sure like he never, he never really got sick because he was always like, well, I never get sick, you know? So therefore he never got sick, you know? And so when, when he was tested positive and it, it kind of just made it so that he got more sick in a way, like it, it just was kind of this thing where it just, this, this mental thing where it just made him not well. And yeah. And then, uh, like I said, Kirsten to her credit knew that things weren't right. And, um, you know, got him into the hospital and, and, and actually, um, you know, she kind of, she she called me and used me as as an argument to to um, bolster to get him into the hospital because she knew that he was he's kind of he could be stubborn about it, and I, you know I remember talking to her and she was saying you know things these this isn't right and, uh, and I was like absolutely I think you know absolutely get him into the hospital because it doesn't sound good and and like I say just one hundred percent to her credit she she just was taking care of him and looking out for him and got him got him in there and and then and then you know then then the rest is like this. I don't know. I don't like to talk about it. I don't like to think about it because it's this, this, this terrible kind of like roller coastery descent. Because you know, we, none of us were considering the the, the final outcome here. Of what it was, it was right. just always going to be like, oh well, you know, shoot, he's in the in the ER, but you know, he's going to come back and he's going to, you know, we're we're looking forward to him getting back and you know, making give joy to spread joy to the people. But yeah, it just didn't it didn't go that way. And then of course, your wife was so integral in helping like translate, you know, what was coming back from the the doctors and all that stuff and it was just yeah and then the other things that i that i thought about saying and what i want to say is that i you know on one hand i was like it was so we had such a a deep relationship and such a history that i felt comfortable going like well he knows he knows the love that i have for him so i don't i don't have to feel like oh if only i would have said i love you one more time or something like that you know it's like he knows that that said (laughs) I'm still, I still have some of this guilt, like, oh man, like, I'm sorry that I didn't get a chance to like, you know, you know, you just didn't get a chance to say goodbye. And like, um, 
you know, we didn't really have to have a, a like a decent exchange, you know, about it. It was just like, crap, like now he's in the ER. And, and then it was such a, it was just, it was just so awful, you know, I mean, and I, I don't mean to harp on it. I mean, and those are terrible places in the first place. And then nobody can visit you because you COVID. Right. So he's just sitting there by himself. And it was like, everybody kind of knows what's going on. I mean, of the inner circle there, he's yeah. by himself. Nobody can see him. It was just, it was just brutal. And then it just, you know, again, it just kind of took this, this, this roller coaster descent and they're like, oh my gosh, like, yeah. really? He's not doing, I mean, this is, it's getting worse. <laughs> well, you know, I just, I just, we wasn't even considering the outcome at all. So um, again, like, like I say, I, I like to take solace and let, let he knows we, we knew we had a deep love for each other and because we expressed it. And, and we had so many years of history together demonstrating it and, and um, living it. So yeah. I, I take comfort in that, but then it's also like, oh man, like I wish, you know, you know, to your question of what would you say to him now kind of thing is I, I love you, man. And I'm, I'm and uh, you know, I miss you. And I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. We're, you know, I wasn't able to kind of say goodbye and, uh, and I want to know what you're listening to. You know, I want to know what movies <laughs> and, and books you're checking out. And, uh, um, well, that, that kind of gives me like a twist on that question. What you just said right there about, well, what, what are you listening to? Or like, if you had another day to hang with them, what do you think you guys would do? Not even necessarily with like the, the heavy emotional part of it, but just like, you know, like, oh, okay, one more day, like, what, what would you like to do? Yeah, well, I mean, if, if it really was like that, like, okay, you have, a, you have one more day together, and everybody knows that that's the case. Yeah. Yeah, it, it would probably be a, a Clear Creek day. I mean, follow, you know, we probably, we would, we, he would okay, <laughs> this is how it would be. Okay. He would've, okay, he would, he would have had a gig the night before. Right. Uh, we would have hung out, we would have watched a movie, probably, had a good time laughing. And then he would, I would have got, I would have fallen asleep. He probably would have put me to bed because he was insomniac and I was clearly, <laughs> he would have left me with a glass of water. I would have I crashed in the, in the extra bedroom. Um, and then the next morning, uh, I might have, uh, we would have decided that we're going to do Clear Creek. We're going to go up, go to, going to go up to the creek, have a day at the creek. And um, so I would have maybe, um, you know, so, so see, he probably went to bed at six in the morning and now it's like maybe nine in the morning when I'm waking up. I would have maybe like uh, maybe try to gather some stuff up and get the get the truck ready, um, maybe load up an ice chest, and then maybe put on the Pantera to kind of rouse him out of his his sleep. <laughs> um, and then he would come out moshing, <laughs> and then we'd uh, we'd uh, you know actually yeah we maybe Clear Creek, but maybe this one this one special place that is like this kind of this cliff cliff jumping spot that we'll, uh, that that we got turned on to by a really close close friend of mine, Bart. We we so we load up the truck pack up the dog, hop in the truck, roll up Northern Arizona, whether it was Clear Creek or Sibicue Falls or one, one, of, one of the spots we would have decided on, we'd have a day at the creek and we would uh, relax and enjoy and float and uh, hang out at the creek and uh, sunbake and uh, you know talk about life and um, just enjoy being in the moment and um, take the little water slide down, the mother nature water slide down. Then um, after, you know, the sun started to, to start its descent, we, we think about, because he, he would have a gig that night. <laughs> so we'd have to kind of think about that, but we kind of slowly make our way back to the truck. 
we would go, um, we'd, we'd probably stop off in Camp Verde for some Mexican food, uh, which is, you know, very, very much a thing for him to do, for us to do. But I mean, he was, you know, that was always his thing with Mexican food. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and then, and then we, we might be a little bit sunburned a little bit. Um, we'd, we'd roll home. If, if we were lucky, we'd, we'd squeeze in a nap. He'd roll off to his gig and maybe then I'd crash in on his gig and we'd do some shtick, you know, like, you know, maybe the, the cake tune or some low rider or whatever. And, and he would, he would, uh, you know, he would have a ball entertaining the people and I would have a ball joining him on stage while he entertained the people. And uh, yeah, we would just, that, that's, that's what we would do. <laughs> that sounds like a beautiful day, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we had many of them. Let me tell you, we had so many of them because he was he was always up for that. And especially, you know, when he didn't have any sleep, he would still be like, yeah, I'll do it. You know, I'm game. He would just he, he, as long as the, the, the rock and roll was heavy enough to get him out of bed, he would he would do it. And, uh, and then and then and then eventually I hope that he would get some sleep, you know, and really, really get to rest up. But we would have napped maybe by the creek side. But uh, yeah, that's how it would have been. Stefan, you've been so generous and gracious, man, with your time and, and sharing all these memories that you have with Ethan for everyone to listen to. And I know that people are enjoying it because I'm just soaking it all up, man. Thank you for taking the time to talk with me and for doing it two different shows with me because <laughs> that first one it just wasn't enough time to finish it up, you know? Yeah, my pleasure, Chris. And yeah, I'm, it's again, I'm always happy to talk about Ethan because it brings a smile on my face and, uh, Good. Yeah. And, and as I've said, and I'll keep saying, I, you know, you doing this show helps us keep that memory alive. And it, it just, you know, it helps. I'm, I'm keeping my notes and making my, my, my writings to just kind of help remember the good times and, you know, all the times, whatever they were, and just, just thinking about him. And um, yeah. so again, this, this, this is an opportunity for us to do that. And I, I appreciate you doing this for him and for us to help keep that memory uh, so, um, in the, in upfront for us. So thank you. Of course. And you've got an open invitation, man. If you ever have any more thoughts or stories that come to you that you want to get in there while this, uh, podcast exists, just let me know. Cool. Yeah. Thank you. I, <laughs> I, for some reason, I still could feel compelled to say some more things about like, I, like how funny he was. I mean, he would be really funny, but there's like like some of these one-liner things that I think that he would maybe get from his dad. But yeah, yeah. Let's let's uh, end with that with some of those. That would be I mean, cool. yeah, one one in particular, and it's just I mean, it's just it's very very silly. But he would say these things that's just off the cuff. Like I don't know if they were spontaneous. Sometimes they would be spontaneous where they would just flow out of him. But other times they were kind of canned things that he had. But like you know, some of his one-liner things would be like, oh yeah, you know, there's this new club up in Scottsdale, and it's supposed to be all that, and you know, there's um. Oh yeah, there's this guy that's playing there. He's like a legend in his own zip code, or um, <laughs> say stuff like that. And it's like, yeah, this club is supposed to be. It's supposed to be all that because I guess Charles Barkley apparently picked a booger up there or something like that. <laughs> just the, that kind of stuff would just bust me up, you know. <laughs> yeah, because you're like following along, like, oh really? Okay, and yeah, yeah. You're like, what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, the zip code one. Uh, when, one time when my wife and I were visiting him. I was telling him, I was just saying in general, like, man, it's so fun jamming with you. I think we did, a, we came in and then he made time or he brought me in on a gig, like an afternoon gig at a pizza joint somewhere. So he and I did a gig together and then we met back up and then he had like however many more gigs after that. And then we met back up like at two or three in the morning 
And I was like, man, it's so fun playing with you. You're just so talented. And blah, blah. he goes, yeah, I'm kind of a big deal in my own zip code, you know? <laughs> and then I remember I was laughing and, you know, and I told my wife and she goes, let's make him a t-shirt that says that. Oh, and I was like, really? totally. So I made him a t-shirt that said, I'm a big deal in my own zip code. <laughs> and I sent it to him and he sent me a picture. The only thing was that I didn't do the right size. So it was kind of like, you know, <laughs> tight on him. <laughs> he, but he put it on still. He sent yeah. me a picture with a th- his thumbs up and like, oh, like a big old laughing thing, you know. And, and I promised, I was like, oh, dude, I'm going to send you a bigger size. And he said, ah, it's all right. You know, and I never ended up sending him one, but I made a t-shirt out of that joke. That's you know, awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> and uh, I even thought that would be a cool, I, and I told him to, I go, man, that would be, if we ever like record a specific album together, that would be a great name of an album you know <laughs> yeah he had he had some some you know some just can respond is there a couple more that you might remember before we say bye um because those two were great and I yeah that's those are those are the ones that, that came to mind i mean i there's a there was another one i mean okay the last one i mean okay. this one i don't want to be off put anybody but you know we we've said so much so much already about about him and how he was and Sure, sure. generous but he but yeah you know he he also recognized when he had the mic he had the power and sometimes he would get and he would do these these gigs where he would be in a room with people that may may not have the same ideology as him um you know they may be a little more conservative and so he would get into scuffles verbal scuffles with folks on on the mic about like you know the topic of the day whether it's immigration or you know or somebody so he would get into these these things and it kind of kind of confrontational whatever but he would always you know make make light of it and, and joke about it and stuff but um i remember him telling me uh you know he got into it unfortunately with somebody in the in the bar and you know because because of either on the receiving end of it it's like you're you're not going to win because he's got right. this huge charming personality and, and the microphone so right <laughs> um, but it ended up with you know i don't know they were talking about something and, and it was a religious thing and ended up being ended up, ended up turning religious and um you know he he upset the person so much so that they they ended up like giving him the finger and saying f you and walking out and, yeah. and the person had, had touted themselves as being like a Christian or, and, um, you know, cause that's what, they, that's what the discussion was about. Cause as, as we've already as well said that, like he was willing to listen and talk and, and, and discuss and, you know, de- debate like healthily. So like, he, it wasn't like this one-sided thing. He was like open, as I said many times, but you know, it, 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 it devolved enough to that where that person just got frustrated and, and, and said that. And, and then he said, well, how Christ-like of you. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know told him the f off you know <laughs> i mean that's just so funny that he would say something like that yeah he was so quick-witted yeah yeah <laughs> and pointed out something you know that's obvious yeah right? yeah i mean it was like you know it made the person think i'm sure yeah sure awesome stefan Thanks, man. You know, and then you're an hour ahead of me. And, you know, it's most of my interviews I do after my kids go to sleep. So I know it's probably near midnight there for you. So thanks for staying up and talking to me, man. My pleasure. My pleasure. I appreciate all the stories and you just sharing your life with Ethan with us is just a really special thing. And I'm glad that you're here doing it. Well, thanks for providing the platform. And I'm looking forward to hearing everybody else's stories as well. It's just just a thrill and a joy for me to to hear them. So bless you, Chris, for doing it. Okay. Yeah, of course, man. Well, you have a good night. It's good talking to you. All right. Back at you, Chris. And yeah, keep me posted on your tunes, man. Uh, Like, you know. Oh, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> i'll be sure. put some tracks on yeah like yeah, yeah i guess you're one of the guys that he got me involved with right the studio guy 
Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, put sure. Some, yeah. Put some trumpet on your tracks. Oh man, I've got two songs specifically that I, I've got you. And what's cool about sending you stuff? Because if you remember uh, when you did that last track for me, yeah, I like I took a I took a paper, I wrote out the, the step, you know, and I yeah, yeah. So yeah. I'm I've already written up for one of the tunes. I kind of um, worked the worked it out on my keyboard. And then kind of wrote the notes down and then made a little recording for you so that you know the phrasing that I want because I'm not as versed with like, you know, showing the nuances or whatever with the music. But sure, sure. So I'll be hitting you up soon, dude. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, yeah. I guess I guess that all this to say, let's let's be in touch. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, have a good night, Stefan. Thanks, man. You too, Chris. Okay. Take care. See you. Bye. I think that Stefan and I could have easily gone on talking a lot more about Ethan. But in my opinion, over the past two interviews, he really did a wonderful job of getting to the meat of who Ethan was and the role that he played in Stefan's life. It really was wonderful to have the opportunity to speak with Stefan and learn so much about Ethan. Uh, they were definitely family and I'm eternally grateful to Stefan for being a part of this podcast and a part of the process of putting it together. Please make sure to join me next week when I'll be speaking with Sturgis Waters, a musician in Phoenix and a very close friend of Ethan's. He shares some very wonderful stories and thoughts about Ethan. So make sure that you uh, come back next week to listen to that. I'd like to leave you today with a song I wrote called Letter. Dear Marcella, and this is a very personal song for me because I wrote it for my mom who passed away in 2007, but there are two reasons that I chose this song today. The first is because I took this song to Ethan um, and I showed it to him at his living room in the house on Colgate and Tempe with the intentions of having him listen to it, learn it, and play bass on it. Um, but if you'll remember, or you may not remember, but in one of my former interviews, I was talking with Doug Bale, and he had talked about how he wanted to take bass lessons. So he went to Ethan for bass, les bass lessons, and Ethan told him, you, you're you a bass player. Like, the bass lines that you come up with sound good. Um, and that was kind of uh, surprising for Doug to hear because he didn't consider himself a bass player. Well, this situation was much like that as well, where I showed Ethan the song, and then he kind of looked at me and said, Chris, you're a bass player. Like, these bass lines sound great. I wish I could have come up with this bass line. You don't need me to play on it. What you've done is great. You know, have some have confidence in, the, in what you're playing because it sounds good to me. And I just remember that meaning so much to me and being so special, and to hear it coming from one of the best bass players I'd ever met. Um... It just really boosted my confidence. So I ended up playing bass on it at Ethan's direction. He didn't. He told me to play it. He said he wasn't going to. Now, the second reason that I chose this song is because Stefan performed on it. And uh, he did a wonderful job. Towards the end of the song, uh, he plays the trumpet on this song. So I thought it would be fitting since Stefan and I just had this conversation. So I hope you enjoy the song. Thanks for joining, and we'll see you soon. Chat one, two, chat one, two.
tell